At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to a breath of fresh earth. Taking the commitment to a clean environment to the next level. Your host, Rick Friedman, will crown the climate hero and villain of the week, along with discussing worldwide environmental issues, showcasing new products designed with the longevity of our planet in mind, and putting the spotlight on the individuals making a big impact in helping the climate and pollution crisis through social media. Now, your host, Rick Friedman. Welcome to the 2020 Awards episode. In this episode, I'll give you my worst villain of the year, biggest hero, scientist of the year, book of the year, innovator of the year, an end of the year review of CO2, an update on removing plastic from the ocean, company of the year, some bad news on the climate crisis, and some good news too. So let's go. Each episode, I celebrate the birthday of a famous scientist, living or deceased. But the award this year for scientist of the year goes to the men and women around the world who worked on developing a vaccine for the coronavirus. Not a climate or pollution achievement, but one that we had to have to return to any semblance of our previous life. Congratulations and thank you. Now it's time for the Climate Villain of the Week. The biggest villain of 2020 was also our Villain of the Week in Episode 4, and it's none other than Charles Koch. In November, the surviving brother of the industrial giant Koch Industries, Charles, admitted he screwed up by being so partisan rather than spending money in a more nonpartisan way. Wow, where did this come from? An 85-year-old man trying to salvage his reputation before he faces his own death? His brother and business partner, David, died in 2019. Koch says he wants to support people who are going to be champions for policies that empower people so they can realize their potential and succeed helping others. Gee, that's going to be a little tough when those people he's talking about are dying from asthma or another type of respiratory ailment. Or could this be a new direction by Charles to be a phony mea culpa just to hawk his new book, which I will not name on this podcast? Charles admitted he's made mistakes in business and says his new network will focus on social entrepreneurs. I wonder how he feels about social entrepreneurs trying to clean the air and the water from Koch's companies that poison us. And to prove his new improved view on life, what is the first thing Charles did? He pumps hundreds of thousands of dollars into the Georgia Senate race giving his money to Republican candidate David Perdue. Perdue voted against the 2019 bill to stop rollbacks of carbon pollution limits for power plants, voted to confirm Andrew Wheeler's confirmation as the EPA administrator, and voted for the anti-environment tax bill that opens drilling in the Arctic refuges and much more. You get the idea. Perdue is no fan of the environment, and he's getting huge financial support from Charles Koch in the upcoming pivotal Senate races in Georgia. Koch may want people to remember him, by some of his last public actions, like claiming to help build bridges across the political aisle. But Koch has been a terrible person his entire miserable life, supporting Republicans and his millions of dollars to vote for anti-regulation, anti-healthcare, anti-social services, anti-taxes, and the fight against climate change. I'm not buying his apology for one second. Charles Koch, congratulations. 
you've earned yourself the 2020 A Breath of Fresh Earth Villain of the Year. Gosh, you're so stupid. It's time for the Climate Hero of the Week. Hero of the Year. This is an easy one. I'm giving the award to me. What? Me? Well, to be fair, I'm giving me a one in one eighty millionth share of the victory. I was one of 80 million people plus to vote for Joe Biden. His victory will change our climate culture in the next four years to one of hope instead of despair. Sure feels good to be on the right side of history on this one. Want to see some more of us? Head over and meet us on Instagram. This year, there are two winners for Book of the Year. The first one is Diane Cook, who arrived on the scene with her 2014 masterpiece short story collection, Man v. Nature. This year, she followed it up with The New Wilderness. You can't buy the book until next June, but you can get the ebook on Kindle. It's up for the 2020 Booker Prize. Another winner this year is climate fiction writer Kim Stanley Robinson for his book, The Ministry for the Future. In 2008, Robinson was named a Hero of the Environment by Time Magazine. Innovator of the Year This was a tough one, but I went with a man who took the problem of discarded face masks and turned them into something useful. Dr. Banesh Desai, also known as India's Recycle Man, makes bricks from discarded face masks. Let's call them PPE bricks. Desai first gained fame back in 2010 for designing bricks from industrial paper and gum waste. Hey, I left some wads of gum under my desk at Wiley Junior High. Maybe I should start my own company. As most of the world viewed the lockout earlier this year as a great way to reduce pollution, Desai, ever the inventor, wondered what would happen to the billions of used face masks. He figured out the right formula of PPE, paper waste, and a binding agent to come up with his new bricks. Next, he created EcoBins to collect the PPE across India. Once the company disinfects the PPE and treats it at the plant, pours the product into molds, the bricks are ready for use in just three days. Brilliant. Desai has started receiving inquiries and pre-orders from architects and interior designers for his bricks. Oh, and by the way, the good Dr. Desai is only 26 years old. You're a winner! Many people thought the economic shutdown from COVID-19 would help keep the carbon dioxide from increasing in the atmosphere. Greenhouse gas concentrations are the cumulative result of past and present emissions. According to the World Meteorological Organization, the global average in 2019 was 410.5 parts per million. That's an increase of almost three parts per million from the previous year. Thanks to the lockdowns in early 2020, carbon emissions fell by 17% at their peak. But the overall effect on concentrations has been very small. CO2 levels will continue to increase this year. The rise will just be a little bit smaller than usual. Reducing the amount of CO2 we pump into the air should be the first priority. Trees do a great job of absorbing CO2, so we have to stop deforestation and plant trees, millions of them. Soil can hold enormous amounts of carbon, too. Previous episode, I suggested you watch Kiss the Ground, a documentary, be a good primer to explain how farming can help us. Direct air capture removes excess carbon directly from the atmosphere, and the potential for this idea is enormous. But the technology is problematic. This is the preferred method from James Hansen the American adjunct professor directing the program of Climate Science, Awareness, and Solutions of the Earth Institute at Columbia University. We celebrated Dr. Hansen's birthday and lifetime achievements in Episode 4. Hansen co-authored a landmark paper in 2017 identifying methods to reduce greenhouse gases. Hansen suggested that in addition to phasing out CO2 emissions, we need to extract large amounts of CO2 from the air. 
I'll stick with Hansen's view over anyone in the current EPA, that's for sure. Wheezy Meeklung is our reporter covering air quality index across the globe this year, and he sends in his final report for the year. Wheezy, if you could choose just one word for the air quality in 2020, what would it be? Thanks for listening. Imagine the world has returned to normal, and you're on vacation. Let's pick somewhere really beautiful. How about the Isle of Capri? You're sitting high up on a hill, looking down on the water, and your wife says, let's take the baby and our best friends and go fishing. That sounds fun. I'd leave the baby on dry land with a babysitter, but the wife insists the little one comes with you because you're on vacation, and are you really going to trust your baby with a babysitter this far from home? See, the wife's right again. So you head to the local mini-mart and stock up on supplies. You purchase a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, you promised your wife you'd quit as soon as you returned from vacation, but until then, you buy the smokes, the ones with the filter, so you might live a few years longer than smoking the ones without. You buy water bottles, fishing line, bait, some snacks, a six-pack of beer. I mean, what's the purpose of fishing if you don't have a couple of beers to share with your mates, right? You also purchase disposable diapers for your four-month-old baby and a few styrofoam cups to pour the beer in while you're fishing. It's two o'clock in the afternoon, local time. You pitch your spent cigarette into the water. The butt of your cigarette will still be recognizable in 10 years. When you took the beer out of the plastic bag, the bag slipped out of your hand and drifted away with the current. When your little baby comes to this place as a college exchange student in 20 years, your bag will still be intact. When he comes to this place as a father of his children, reliving the trip you're taking when he's 50, he might find the styrofoam from cup that your friend Eddie dropped into the sea. Oops, Eddie's always such a klutz. Eddie finishes his last beer, sans cup, and tosses his beer in the blue Mediterranean. You're pissed. You want to retrieve the errant can, but the baby's crying and your wife is complaining that she's out of sunscreen. She wants to end the fishing excursion early, which isn't a big deal because in the fuss to get the can of beer, you knocked the rest of the six-pack overboard complete with the plastic rings and the fishing bowl fell into. What a waste of time. You should have had a gelato instead. On your way back to shore, your exhausted wife changes your baby's diaper, sets it on the edge of the boat, and a 22-year-old Italian stud in a speedboat races by your cheap rental and the ensuing wake tips the boat a few degrees, knocking the poop-filled diaper into the water. Your wife shrugs her shoulders. It wasn't her fault. But did she really have to place it on the edge of the boat? Your wife stands tall, bragging that she still has the water bottle, until she slips on some bait that fell out of the plastic bag, and she drops the bottle into the water. Damn, what a disaster this trip has become. Congratulations, you've contaminated a beautiful body of water for the rest of your life, your son's life, and many generations forward. As you return the boat, the rental agent seems angry. He says, where are the rest of the supplies you left with? Sheepishly, you say, we had a little trouble, sorry. He says something in Italian you don't understand, but clearly he's not happy. He hands you an invoice for $900 for polluting the water. You argue that the lost items, it was an accident. But the back of your boat rental contract demands that every item on the boat must be accounted for or they are assumed lost at sea, except the bait. The rental agent processes your American Express card, but continues screaming at you in Italian. Your friend translates. You stupid Americans think you can come here and pollute our waters. The damage you caused today will last lifetimes. The fishing line will sit at the bottom of the sea for 600 years. If you go back in time 600 years, that's before the great Italian explorer Christopher Columbus discovered your fossil-fueled country. And the bottle and the diaper will sit there for 400 years. 400 years ago, the great Italian astronomer Galileo found the moons of Jupiter. 
If his mother tossed his disposable diaper in the water near Florence, it would still be there. Who will want an old poopy diaper? The agent is angry, dripping with sweat, and points to you to leave immediately and never return. You feel ashamed and guilty for blaming others for your mistakes and make a promise to your child to take better care of the world. It's not too late to take action. You wisely choose not to tell the agent that disposable diapers weren't invented until the 1950s, long after Galileo died. Sometimes it's better not to speak. Which brings us to the winner of the company that's doing a great job of pulling plastic out of the oceans and rivers. The best new plan to remove plastic from the ocean? Well, it's hard not to select four ocean, or five gyres, two favorites of mine, but I'm going with Boyan Slot and his company Ocean Cleanup. We feature them in episode 17. Congratulations to 26-year-old Boyan and his entire team. Be sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels. Who are the best people to follow on social media this year? Well, of course, it's way too hard to pick one. I'll give you three that are leading the world into a new dawn of sustainability. Catherine Kellogg. Check out her social media links, starting with her Going Zero Waste Instagram account or at Going Zero Waste on Twitter. Don't want to miss out on Sustainability Shelby on YouTube. Search S-H-E-L-B-I-Z-L-E-E-E and you can watch her informative and entertaining videos. And lastly, Blue Alice. That's O-L-L-I-S. She's another champion for sustainable living. All three young ladies are proving the future is in great hands. And let's give a shout out to Biomimicry Institute for being this year's company of the year. They're located in Montana in the United States. They describe biomimicry as a practice that learns from and mimics the strategies found in nature to solve human design challenges and find hope along the way. Biomimicry is about valuing nature for what we can learn, not what we can extract, harvest, or domesticate. In the process, we learn about ourselves, our purpose, and our connection to each other and our home on Earth. Okay, I like that. My favorite part of the program is something they call Biomimicry Launchpad. It's an incubator program helping early-stage entrepreneurs bring nature-inspired solutions to the market. Here's a few of this year's Launchpad companies. And you can check out their website to read about all of them. Ricochet is a company from Taiwan that imitates the gill raker of the manta ray as the main filtering structure and its swallowing method as the way of collecting particles. Ricochet's team designed a sustainable PM 2.5 filter mimicking the structure of the manta ray. The processor, called Ricochet, has great potential to filter PM 2.5 successfully and people can live in cities with fresh air. Another great product is called a sensitive wall. They're also from Taiwan. A sensitive wall is trying to fix the problem of increasing traffic noise and rising heat caused by climate change that negatively affects 55% of the global population living in urban areas. Inspired by concave-eared torrent frogs, mimosa leaves, and desert snails, this team designed a green noise barrier and sunshade system that aims to improve urban living conditions by providing a dynamic natural soundproofing system and elevation greenery to urban landscapes. And here's a wild one, Bottle Bricks. That was designed by a company in the Netherlands to address the growing problem of lack of adequate housing for refugees. Mimicking the triangular, corrugated shape of Saharan silver anthairs and still air trapped within silk cocoons, along with the interlocking structure of Nacre, which is mother of pearl, Bottle Bricks is an interlocking bottle system used to improve existing shelters to better protect against cold, warm, and wet weather conditions. And with a growing climate refugee problem, we're going to need a lot more shelters and a lot more safe housing. 
There's so much more at biomimicry that time doesn't allow for, but please go to their website and learn about all the amazing things going on all over the world. I was going to talk about some bad news like extreme drought in the western United States and the heat index and shifting jet streams over Greenland that's helping melt ice. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about good news. I'm not ignoring the bad, just don't want to talk about it today. More companies are stepping up their game. I'm excited to see the results of a new company called Climate Trace. They use a combination of machine learning, infrared satellite imagery, and advanced computer modeling to track polluters worldwide in real time. The information it collects is going to be accessible through an online portal, and that's going to come out sometime in 2021. It's going to help environmental organizations verify that governments around the world are honoring their pledges to cut greenhouse gases. What's my favorite bit of the year? It wouldn't be a breath of fresh earth episode without some silliness. Even Hollywood blockbusters toss in a comedic line occasionally during the movie to lighten the mood. Well, let's see. We heard from the president's doctors in episode 17. The funeral for the Bramble K. Malomas in episode 7. I like that one a lot. And of course, Wheezy's always trying to tell us about the high level of CO2. Listening to the president and the first lady argue in episode 19. But my favorite bit of the year was in episode two, when I received some bad news from my doctor. Here was his diagnosis. I'm afraid I have bad news. You have wind cancer. That's right. Wind cancer. That's the end of the show and the last episode of 2020. I want to thank the entire team that's made this so much fun for me. Izzy, Mike, Jill, Sheldon, Wheezy, and the rest of the part-timers that contributed to the show. I couldn't have done this without you. 2021 brings a new president and hopefully the United States back in the Paris Climate Agreement. As for the podcast, I'll be back in two weeks with more heroes and villains. There'll be new books to read, hopefully some new movies sometime this year to review, and songs to listen to, and new people to follow on social media. There'll be good news and bad news and more scientists to celebrate. I can't wait to bring you more incredible stories of people and companies from around the world taking on the tough challenges ahead. When I started my climate crusade three years ago, I wasn't so sure we could overcome the climate villains and indifference. But after 22 episodes, I'm sure we will. In the future, the climate will be a little warmer. We'll be removing plastic from the ocean for a long time. But we're going to be all right. Thanks again for listening. I'm humbled that you've chosen to spend a little time each month with me. And lastly, with his dirty diaper in a garbage can and his telescope trained on the moons of Jupiter, I say good night, Galileo. Thanks for listening to A Breath of Fresh Earth with your host, Rick Friedman. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you're the first to hear new episodes. If you want to nominate someone for Climate Hero of the Week, send it to Rick at the link below. This has been A Breath of Fresh Earth. Thanks for listening.